Welcome to another post-championship edition of Talking Tigs. Um, Scott Gerard joining me as always, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, it's pretty much one week from when the Tigers won the, the baseball championship in Omaha, the College World Series. Still feels good. I mean, the, the luster hasn't really lost its shine yet. I mean, it's, you know, there's still even more postseason awards coming out. Uh, we'll definitely mention that. Tigers, you know, had that big championship celebration at the box. And uh, just wanted to go over that real quick, too. And then, you know, there might be some football news and notes here we could go over. But other than that, you know, we're pretty much in pre-football season right now since baseball closed it out in epic fashion, no less. Uh, so we'll get into all that. But before we do, want to check in with a co-host. Uh, it's good to be back with you guys. Hopefully you had a great 4th of July. I did, stayed local, didn't really do anything special. Uh, actually didn't even even want to go see fireworks yesterday. Plenty of people in my neighborhood were were uh, blowing out eardrums. So I, I didn't really have to drive anywhere, which was nice. But um, how are y'all? What are y'all? What was y'all's weekends like? And, you know. How about them Tigers? Good to be with you. Good. Another week in the books. Uh, like you said, still still celebrating uh, a nice the national championship win for the baseball Tigers. And like you said, really now all, all signs pointing to football. We are, I believe, eight weeks away from uh, first kickoff. So two months on, you know, and I think, yeah, two months from tomorrow there will be football being played at the collegiate level on you know national television yeah um so all things all things good here yes doing well guys i'd like to give y'all a little bit of a congratulations also i don't think we mentioned that it is our 200th episode as a podcast oh yeah so that's that's exciting it's been over four years at this point which is pretty crazy i'll be didn't really have anything super special planned for 200, but it is a, a nice milestone. Maybe, maybe 250 will do something, but yeah. that's fun. And yeah, I had a good 4th of July weekend, saw some fireworks last night. The downtown exhibit where I'm at was within walking distance. So I just popped over, saw that uh, and, and enjoyed it. And we're officially in the, in the dog days of summer, which is a little sad because there's no college sports, obviously got to give the kids a summer break, uh -huh. but uh, we can recoup and do some strategizing for football season coming up. Cause that's always fun. And I will still be bringing y'all the news here. Absolutely. I was actually thinking of it uh, right after, you know, when Tommy was talking, I'm like, Oh, that's right. It's number 200. Um, but then Daniel got it. I was going to mention <laughs> it anyway, but still, uh, yay. Happy 200. Congrats guys. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we covered a lot. 203 national championships worth. I know. Right. Um, and it's just crazy. Yeah, like we were able to start uh, like our, you know, our first true season finished with one. And uh, now we just got this one. So that's, that was great. Uh, and they did, you know, celebrate it at Alex box. Uh, like, like I was saying, uh, they did that Wednesday. Uh, for those of you that did go, please feel free to share your experiences. I watched it at home and, you know, live, uh, they are broadcasting it. Uh, it looked great. Uh, you know, everyone looks kind of, you know, you could tell some of the guys probably had been celebrating for days. I don't think Dylan Cruz ever let go of that championship trophy. Um, he carried with him around the stadium after the game. He carried with him through the halls. He carried it on the plane. I think he had a bucket in next to him. Uh, he was carrying it at the stadium. It's just, uh, you could tell that guy is, what's the word? Um, 
fulfilled, yeah. I think, right? Because that's essentially why he wanted to come to college and why he chose LSU is he's like, ah, you know, I want to experience that. I want to play for a title. And it's like you could tell after that final out how he was like the camera was on him. He was just screaming. He was so happy. And it's like he did it. That's that's why he did it. It all came to fruition. So you youngsters at home listening, um, it, it can happen. You just probably got to put in the work that he did, which 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 is a lot. And have uh, a little, maybe a little natural talent too. Yeah, I mean the guy is he is a yeah he's definitely a specimen. Uh, but you know it also helps with uh, you know the the system the program you're in the coach because. Uh, Jay Johnson was, you know, officially named the National Coach of the Year by American Baseball Coaches Association. Uh, so congrats to him. And speaking of Dylan Cruz, uh, we know he won the Golden Spikes Award, which was right before that final uh, College World Series game. Uh, but he also won the Gold Glove Award. Uh, mm -hmm. Congrats to him. And let's see, there was somebody else. They did come out with the National Player of the Year. Would uh would either of you like to take a guess as to who that was? Um, it wasn't Dylan Mr. Cruz. Oh, we got a winner! Ding ding! Yes, I mean that was an easy guess, right? <laughs> I took away half your chances. Uh, but yeah, Paul Skeens was named the National Player of the Year. Congrats to him! And yeah, just uh, you know, more icing on the king cake for the Tigers, uh, just for what an incredible season. And having, you know, just watched the celebration and kind of kind of having a week to just let it digest. Um, I don't know, guys. I, I feel like you know, we probably talked about it too, but for me, just with this, with all these postseasons award, the players we had, Jay Johnson being in his second year, uh I don't know. I felt like it was more or less a team of destiny. I know we kind of talked about it, but like now with the week gone by and just looking back at the season and how it started, what happened kind of in the middle towards right before the SEC tournament. And then, you know, of course, after, which was all great, um, it, it, got, it did kind of feel like just a, a team of destiny. You know, it's there might have been points in the season where you're like, well, I mean, yeah, they're one, but can they continue for the rest of the year? And then, oh, yeah, now they're kind of down, but can they pick it back up for the postseason? You know, we know the answers to that now. So I, I don't know. I feel like it was a team of destiny. And just looking back at the transactions they had, uh, I, I think it was. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to present the argument, you know, like, would we have done this without Skeens? Or would we have done this if Tommy Tanks hadn't come over? I don't know. It doesn't matter because we did. So I don't know. How do you guys feel, like, a week after the fact? Um. Well, for me, I mean, you know, still, still just excited. And, and you know, in some ways I still, I'm kind of still, still surprised. Like I know yeah. that at the beginning of the season, like this is something we talked about. We talked about like this team, we were ranked number one, had the best offense in baseball. We're, you know, questioning or pitching or at the time we didn't know we had the best pitcher in baseball that all like bar none. Um, right. But, uh, you know, even even a week after, it's still pretty amazing that the the run we had and the important close games we had to go through to get there, um, just exciting. And it, you know, it's something that they went through at the at the celebration last week. Um, you know, it's so many so many kind of like key important pieces of that team from Tommy White to Dylan Cruz to Skeens to you know Malazzo, Cade Beloso, who I actually saw this weekend. Um, so. 
a few, di- you know, so many, so many important people. Uh, just, a, just an overall great, uh, great win and a great season. Right, and baseball can be kind of a fickle sport where it's not really like college football at this point, where it's you, you pretty much know that one of the top ten ish teams is going to win the national championship just because there's such like a talent disparity. Baseball is more similar to basketball in that whoever kind of gets hot at the end can win it all. And it's very like day-to-day game. Uh, but it, this year, the talent did flow to the top. I mean, LSU, Florida, and Wake Forest, I think were all top five preseason teams. And the, they were the last three standing. Obviously, LSU was number one at the beginning and the end. But yeah, Jay Johnson, like you said, coach of the year, made the most of his players on and off the field, both getting them to Baton Rouge and then pulling the trigger with his decisions when he needed to. So uh, much props there. And yeah, it is, I I wouldn't say surreal as the world word, but uh, it is just exciting that, yeah, we're the champions and, but now we've got the target on our backs going into next year. I mean, Ole Miss won the championship last year and they didn't even make the tournament. So there's obviously room for, uh, a big drop, possibly. I don't think LSU is going to fall that far, uh, but I know Jay Johnson's already getting prepared to defend the title come 2024. Yeah, and he'll have a uh, you know a slightly different looking Alex Box Stadium to to do it in. Although you know, just Alex Box itself is it's a great environment. I imagine that's why some kids come here. It's like a minor league ballpark, basically. And um, just looking at the numbers. That's kind of how the fans treat it. I think the the overall attendance for the College World Series was like right around three three hundred ninety k, right? And that's just you know all the games combined, uh, which is great. That's a lot of numbers. But then I saw something that if you look at uh, just the numbers from LSU, uh, we we beat that by almost like a hundred K at the Alex box. Like that's how many kids, excuse me. That's how many, how many people came to LSU over the game. LSU had 447,527 and we beat number two, who was Arkansas by, you know, almost 80,000. So that just goes to show. I'd, I'd say the you know the fans showing up to support. I mean, LSU fans always show up in in numbers, right? We had like what twenty five straight years where we had the attendance record each year, mm-hmm. um, and then we think we lost it like the last year or so. Uh, but we definitely got it back. Uh, it does help if you're winning. I will say that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, more or less, let's say the top top out of the top ten LSU or the uh, the SEC has eight teams. Uh, kudos to Southern Miss, though they did crack the top ten. They had one hundred seventy-five thousand, but that's pretty good for a you know a school their size in, in their division. Southern Miss other... is a big baseball school. They, they love, are. They love their baseball. Don't they call it uh, like Baseburg or something? They have some <laughs> instead of Hattiesburg, they call it. Baseburg. Do they really? I've never heard that. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's what they do. They, that's what they call it. Um, and you know, the only other team outside of the SEC that was in the top ten was Texas. But guess what? They're joining us next year. So uh, there is that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just the, the SEC in general, we've had what, five, like four straight champions and, you know, they've all been in the SEC. So yeah, I don't know. With Mississippi and uh, Mississippi State not even making the tournament after they won, that just to me shows, you know, kind of like an alignment of t- the stars aligning, so to speak. 
I'd say it is for LSU, but I don't think that we would miss the tournament next year, right? Like yeah, the, the talent I, I we, have... we have too much talent coming back to to yeah. not even I mean, do I think we're do I gonna think we're gonna win again? Do I think we're gonna dominate? Maybe not. I don't you know, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't now I wouldn't count us out, but I'm not gonna say, you know, oh yeah, like it's a shoe in to repeat, but I, I don't think we have that big of a fall off. Right. Now, if, if Skeens and Dylan Cruz were both returning next year, uh, then you probably could say that, right? Yeah, no doubt. Okay. But here's the thing. Transfer portal is still open. Uh, I know LH, there's been a lot of movement, even with uh, Wake Forest, even with Florida, even with you know other teams that were, like you said, uh, you know, some of the top teams all season, you know, they've had transfers. So I don't know. I hadn't seen that from LSU yet, but you know, it's, it's a two way door. So uh, we could still pick up somebody like there could be another Paul schemes out there that we could find, you know, there could be a Tommy tanks that we could add to the roster. I don't know. I'm not going to say he would replace Dylan Cruz, but you know, maybe it could feel that, that need of production that we would need. Cause Man, uh, you know, Tanks was out for a little bit. Dylan Cruz was just always delivering, Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, especially in the postseason. So I, I don't know. I think the Tigers definitely have a good chance just based off of who we do have coming back. Um, but, yeah, like I said, they'll, they'll be in a slightly different stadium. So with the celebration on uh, this past Wednesday for the Tigers at the box, they, you know, unveiled like a national championship sign. But I guess they're – going to redo the intimidator which is what it was over uh this is going to show all of the titles all seven of them so i guess there's i'm guessing they're still working on the design for that like they're going to unveil that probably the first game of the next season. i think it's i think it's going to be the same design as before where it just has like the big kind of tiger roaring face on one side and then the years listed out on the other side but now with just 2023 tacked with on an to the extra end, with an extra log, uh, an extra trophy yeah, yeah, but next, I mean, after 2009, it, I guess they just wanted the wanted the big one this year for a show. I mean, the stadium's not even really in use, but you can kind of see it driving by. Oh, you can, uh, yeah, yeah. So they're just kind of flashing the the hardware for the year, which makes sense. It's kind of strange they have to to change it twice, though. But well, I guess mm-hmm. if that's what that, you want to do, that's what I was thinking. Because it looked like they had something just draped, or there were guys at the top. It looked like it was something held on. I was like, I can't imagine that they would have held off because if all they were adding was four numbers for the year, like that's, that's a quick fix. I don't know that you have to, you know, wait a whole year to unveil that. They probably could have done, I don't know that they would have had it done. I don't know. Unless they're rearranging the intimidator sign completely, then I get it. But if they're just adding 2023, I don't know. Then it's, then it's well, probably I think that, much ado about nothing. I think that just might've been a little underwhelming for the big ceremony. And all they do is add four Fair numbers enough. and whatever, yeah. Times New Roman twelve font. Yeah. It's the, the exact end. same thing. That'd be hilarious, actually. If they have a big <laughs> sheet draped over. It's the they just pull it over. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> There's just right. one guy holding one guy holding up a piece of paper covering the one number. He takes the paper <laughs> away. It's just wow. That's that's hilarious. I I wish that was the case. Probably not going to be. I, I don't know. I mean, the the sign was fine. The, the players. I mean, they refer to it as the Intimidator. Uh, I think that's cool, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see how extensive the the remake is. Probably not much. I mean, again, it didn't it didn't really need much to begin with. But um, LSU did have one addition to their team. Uh, at least we hired the uh, our next pitching coach since Wes Johnson is heading east to to hey, you're all the Bulldogs. I know uh, over there at Foley Field. 
Um, I, again, I don't think I ever went to a game. Like I, I walked over because there was a game going on, but like, you know, this was, well, I'm not going to say exactly when I don't want to date myself, but it wasn't when Georgia was necessarily great at the time. Um, they've gotten better last few years. Um, but then, yeah, they, they got rid of their coach. So Wes Johnson's going to come in. Maybe he'll make them better, but you know, the SEC overall is getting better each year, not just the, the, the schools that have been good, but like, you know, like you said, Ole Miss won this past year, Mississippi state won before that. Neither one of them had any sort of title in anything until then. So, uh, I think it's kind of pulling everyone else up around us. Right. Like the, the conference as a whole, kind of like with football, you've seen yeah. some, some teams getting better with the SEC's continued success. You know, it's not like some one-off championship, like it's, this is consistency and it's the same thing with baseball, probably the same with basketball too. Uh, although that remains to be seen, it's been pretty quiet on the, <laughs> at the PMAC as far as basketball goes, but uh, baseball has definitely taken over. Um, but the Tigers will name Nate Yeski. Uh, as their next pitching coach and a little background on him. He was actually, well, he's coming to us from uh, Texas A&M. He's been there for two seasons. Uh, he was actually the two time national pitching coach of the year, which I didn't know until just now. And he was a world series college world series champion. Um, and he actually worked with Jay Johnson before uh, at Arizona in 20 and 21 uh, and helped the, the the Wildcats get a 21, 2021 Pac-12 title, and uh, they got a berth in the College World Series. Uh, so now he joins us, and I don't know, I saw the some comment about, well, you know, LSU pulled their last pitching coach from the major leagues pretty much midseason. <laughs> like, I, I don't know that A&M really had a chance to keep Yeski, especially right after a title, but uh, yeah. welcome aboard. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I think as far as a as far like I, I now I'm not that well versed in uh, the, you know, the landscape of uh, pitching coaches. But I like that. he I like that he coached with Jay Johnson before at Arizona and they had success. I like that he's the, the two time national coach of the year uh, pitch or mm-hmm. pitching coach of the year. And I like that he's, uh, I, you know, and he's coached in the SEC and he's recruited yeah. pretty much the same area because, you know, you, you think about uh, A&M. That they're recruiting a lot of this I-10 corridor recruit. So um, I like it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I guess, a, a bit of a good problem to have when you're a program like LSU and you're replacing three pitching coaches in three seasons, all who have left for head coaching jobs at other major programs. And we saw that with football, too, after we won the national championship when we lost both coordinators in the same year. And you're kind of suffering from success. But uh, Scott Woodward and Jay Johnson seem to be doing a good job at bringing these guys in. And obviously he's a known commodity both to Johnson and to the college baseball um, sphere. And so I think he'll continue to do uh, a good job there and hopefully keep the LSU pitching going. Uh, We had a lot of success there in the World Series this year, so I'm excited about it. I did see A&M's baseball coach tweeted out this like statement after he left, kind of saying like, thanks to coach Yeski and like, good luck with all your like endeavors. But I don't remember the exact phrasing, but he seemed a little bit like kind of salty and upset online that uh, LSU was reaching over and taking their guy, which I guess, cause like, you don't really see this normally for like an assistant coach for a baseball program. That kind of thing is normally reserved for like a football head coach or whatever. Um, So A&M's a little bit mad about that, which is always kind of good for LSU. 
Yeah, and you know what? Stay mad. Yeah, that's all I can say. It's you know, welcome to the business. Uh, Absolutely. If if you don't want it to happen, just win, baby. Like Al Davis used to say, owner of the Raiders. For those of you that don't know, that was his his only slogan: just win, baby. Yep. Uh, but uh, and just looking back a little bit more on Yeski's career, so the uh, when he did have those coach of the year pitching coach of the year honors uh and he did win a, a college world series that was with oregon state and so when i saw that i was like ah mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah because remember we we faced them uh, a few years ago didn't go so well for us but they had those they had great pitching mm-hmm. and they were just a very good hitting team very good small ball very good defensively but uh the pitching was very good you can't win a title without good pitching and, you know, as we found out, you know, if you have a good pitching coach that can help your pitchers uh, go to the next, you know, at least level up to some degree. Um, I don't know how much he had to do with Paul Skeens's, you know, ultimate success and the heights he reached this season. Uh, I think he was obviously a, a star in the making before then. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think we, we definitely saw some improvement over our guys, at least from what we saw in the regular season on into the postseason. So um, it can definitely make a difference. Uh, but the fact, like you said, Tommy, the fact that he's worked with Jay Johnson, it's probably, it was probably a no-brainer for Jay Johnson. He was probably looking around and he's go, oh, Yeski, dude, what, what are you doing in College Station? I got an opening. Get over here. Yeah. I said, on the way, coach. <laughs> I mean, I, that's not a transcript of the phone call i'm just guessing but you know i don't think it's far off yeah right i was gonna say it's pretty close (laughs) um but anyway uh excited to see him come uh to join the staff and uh work with what we got so like i said we might get some uh you know somebody else through the portal uh it's still early and yeah it's just it's it's good that we don't have this search lingering on because that can help with uh recruiting so Glad that that's settled. Um, what else for baseball? I feel like I'm. Was there something else? That... The MLB draft this week. Yeah, that's coming up. Um, still unsure who's going to go one, two, three, four, five, etc. But I have a good feeling at least two LSU players will be called in the top five. What do you think? One, two, one, three. I don't yeah, know. The guy well, from the... Florida showed pretty pretty good in the College World Series. He might. Mm-hmm. I think the consensus is generally that Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens are going to go one, two in some order at this point, um, possibly slipping to third or maybe fourth. If a team falls in love with like, like you said, with White Langford from Florida or one of the top high schoolers, there have been a few rumblings, I guess, that Dylan Cruz may not want to play in Pittsburgh and he's yeah. willing to to drop down a slot or two to avoid that. He wants to play for Washington. I don't know how true that is. He is represented by Scott Boris, who's one of the leading like baseball agents and who's known for kind of driving a hard bargain for his his clients and trying to get the most for them. So in ba- baseball draft is a little bit weird because they pay them like based on the position they get drafted in. Uh, and then there's all sorts of weird like incentives and like the max amount you could pay for all your your picks, et cetera. Um, but I think no matter what, they're both of them are going to be top five, like you said, Scott. And if I had to put my money on it, I still think Ske- or excuse me, Cruz is going one to the Pirates and Skeens uh, at two, which would be awesome for LSU Nation to to see that. I don't know if it ever, has ever happened uh, to people from the same team back to back at the top. Didn't uh, I don't? Yeah, I don't think it's ever happened either, Daniel. But 
didn't who was our was the was McDonald? He went number one overall, right? Yeah, McDonald yeah. was one. Alex Bregman was what two or three? Yeah, um, he was. I mean, I know he was real high up there, but he didn't go one or I think McDonald's the only one who's ever gone one overall from LSU. I think. Right. So. Yeah, cool. that sounds right. Um. But yeah, it's just at this point though, it's like I I know that they look at these high school players. What was it, Bryce? Did Bryce Harper go one? Um, I don't remember. I think he was number one overall in his year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I guess the year, and the year before they had they got Strasburg because they were a yeah. year apart. I think. And that's course, who a lot yeah, of people yeah. compared Skeens to is Steven Strasburg, like best prospect since him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just I guess I'm I'm also thinking of like anyone that was coming out of high school, if they're really good, like we almost got one guy, Bryce Terang. Mm-hmm. Remember him? Uh, I think he's playing now. He, I think he hit an at, I mean, he was doing great earlier this year, uh, but he's already playing in the MLB. Uh, he only had to miss what, what two seasons, I think, but good money. Um, I think he went up like sixth or seventh overall, something like that. Uh, but like, again, how would you, you know, if you were a manager or an owner, like how do you pick an 18-year-old that's only played in high school over somebody like Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, or Wyatt Langford? Like, yeah, what? Like you'd have to be the LeBron of baseball to like stand out that much, right? Yeah, really. Um, and even like you think about like Bryce Harper. You know, he reclassified way, way before that was even a thing. Like before reclassifying oh, yeah. was a common thing, he got his GED as a junior and then played JUCO for a year. So they mm-hmm. even got to see him against probably, you know, what you would think of the ele- more elevated competition than what you see in the high school level. So, yeah. you know, definitely compare, compare, you know, a, a true just senior in high school to a Dylan Cruz or a, or a Paul Skeens is I don't, I don't think there's any question that at least in my mind, there's no question who I'm taking. And especially with, you know, I can see if they were both position players where maybe it's like, you know, you just, you're, you don't need a center fielder, which I mean, again, like when you got a player like Skeens, I mean, a player like Cruz, I think you, sh- you can always make room, but, uh, be especially with like with skeins being a starting pitcher um i mean you can never have enough absolutely dominant starting pitchers true uh i mean just imagine like it would have been like we would have been i I don't want to say unbeatable but maybe we would have had more of a season like tennessee had last year where you you were kind of like head and shoulders above the rest just just based off of your you know your every every weekend but like if we had paul skeens and you know what if we also had you know somebody like alex lang you know mm-hmm. just two obviously really good pitchers like i i don't know i think i mean we still won the national championship it wouldn't have been different it just the year would have looked a little bit different right we probably sweep we, a lot more people <laughs> we'd probably sweep them more maybe win the sec but you know still the end result's probably the same yeah national title uh but it's just probably a lot more um historically significant as far as all the stats bros and just percentages things like that but anyway uh we we still have that to look for i guess that's the one thing to do is because that's one thing you know with jay johnson is like well you you had all this success in year two 
you know, like how do you how do you keep that going? Uh, obviously, it, developing players, developing and, and picking out players from the portal. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see. We've already had a little bit of success. I think we covered it last podcast, but um, I'm excited to see you know who because I, I what it was about this time last year, July, I think, when Tommy Tanks announced he was coming to LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there might, maybe there'll be another guy who kind of enters the portal and, and comes our way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, speaking of that, like there was, I don't know, did you see there was, uh, there's some baseball program. It was the, uh, ABCA, I guess the American Baseball Coaches Association sent out some memo to all the coaches at all levels, division one, two, and three, about tampering with another program student athletes. Mm. Uh, you know, they're just basically telling them or they're urging, you know, coaches to title on each other and say, if you see this happening, report it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know that, you know, maybe with the addition of NIL money, it could be something to lure someone, but I don't know, like, where does that like what you know? How when do you consider it tampering? Unless it's like during some obvious illegal contact period. But if it's right, you know, if the transfer portal is open, I don't know. Like, what's how is it tampering? If the guy just wants more money, I mean, I, I get the it's not traditional baseball, you know. But uh, what do you yeah. think? I, I don't know. I don't know where you draw the line in, in these instances, like you said with NIL. I think that at this point, the LSU. But, brand and baseball brand specifically kind of speaks for itself. We just won the national championship. We shouldn't have to do anything too risky to put ourselves in a humdinger bind like the Will Wade situation or, (laughs) or we don't need to be paying off the Vidal Alexander of, of baseball to come to LSU. Uh, If they want to, then they'll, they'll come. So I think that's fine. Obviously Jay Johnson and his staff are going to be on the phone, dialing people up as they can to see if they can come over. Uh, But I mean, they know that we pay a lot in NIL money from Gordon and all our other boosters. Uh, and if you win in Baton Rouge, you become a hero. Uh, you can also become a zero pretty easily if you're bad. But uh, I think we'll we'll be fine on that front. Yeah, but they'll let you stay a while a little bit longer as long as you at least get one. Right. Yeah. I think that'd probably go for any sport, uh, as as recent history has shown. Um, but still pretty amazing that, uh, I mean, Scott Woodward has a good streak going here. Two coaches he's hired have both won a title within two years. Uh, like we said last week, uh, you know, here's looking at you, Brian Kelly. No pressure. But, I mean, I, I know Scott Woodward really wants that trifecta. Because <laughs> I imagine, like, what what else does he have to do, right? If he did that, couldn't he just retire? Like, you know what? I can't do any better. What do you want? A golf championship? You want me to find a golf coach? Like what else is left? Well, men's basketball, I get that. But I think that would be a taller order than any of the other previous hires he's had. Yeah. Right? No, I think you're right. Um, and, and gosh, it's, it, it almost feels like it, it goes a little bit um, under the radar of like, man, he's really, he's really delivered in two years. No, three years. He came in, he came in 19, right? I guess it's four years, actually. He came in 19 and kind of inherited that first championship. You could say that's that's him. Maybe it's not him, but, I, I mean, he was he was barely there for that one. But, 
I mean, the the moves he's made, the people he's pulled in, and and the success they've had is is really uh, uh unprecedented. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when um when Mulkey Kim Mulkey was hired, we were like, wow, we got Kim Mulkey, you know. Um, then it was Jay Johnson. Okay, we we didn't really know. We didn't, you know, <laughs> we were kind of venturing on. Uh, from our previous coach who'd been there for for a while and again it was like who's the top baseball coach like who would you want I don't know if we any of us ever landed on Jay Johnson but uh, it was definitely the right decision yeah and with basketball men's remains to be seen football great return on investment in year one only 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 to go up from here Uh, but yeah I mean the guy's the guy's done great and he's you know uh, I can't say that he wasn't going to do this elsewhere, but it's got to be sweeter for him that he's doing it at his at his school, you know. Absolutely. Um, and one last mention for LSU baseball: uh, they did mention at least some part of their schedule next year. Uh, the Tigers are going to take part in the, uh, I guess they, I don't know if they call it the Texas Classic. Well, they're calling it the Astros Foundation College Classic. It's taking place at Minute Maid Park. Uh, but LSU is going to go, they're going to, looks like they're going to have at least three games uh, Friday, March 1st. They're going to take on Texas Longhorns. They got the last slated game of the evening. Uh, then the next game, they're going to take on the raging Cajuns. Of course, you got to love traveling a few hours, a couple hours West just to face somebody <laughs> that's right next door. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then they'll, they'll take uh, that's on Saturday. And then uh, Sunday they'll play Texas state. Um, but yeah, but also Vanderbilt, um, is going to be there. So that should be fun. Should be interesting. Good weekend of baseball. Um, and I don't know, other than that, um, I, you know, I hadn't really, don't really have anything else on baseball other than, again, I just see more teams now that they've had their okay seasons, pretty good seasons. They're just dumping a bunch of money into the baseball stadium. It's because that seems to be the only team that's, you know, really getting anywhere. Uh, you saw what Vanderbilt, or I saw what Vanderbilt was going to do. I think I mentioned it a few pods ago, just dumping a lot of money into their, their, their redesigned stadium. And it just, it looks amazing. You know, they're going to have the little green monster. Now Tennessee's doing the same thing. They're about to dump a bunch of money into their uh, baseball stadium to kind of spruce it up a bit. I don't know. I mean, you could add more seats. They're going to add, you know, stuff to just make it, nicer to go to the game. I don't know that they're, I mean, they could extend the walls a little bit, make it more like a regular stadium, but yeah, they're dumping money. Now that the Tigers have a championship, do you think they will dump any money into the box or is it, well, why we, we won, you know, we don't need a stadium enhancement to, to win a title. You know, I do wonder if that, I wonder if that's something that'll come. I I would, I, I, I would say it, it all depends on what Jay Johnson wants. I think right now he'll, you know, he'll, he'll yeah. be able to write the check and, and write, you know, say if he wants, if he wants a new state or if he wants new additions to the box, I think he gets it. But um, I know a lot of people have kind of complained about the box recently that it's, and we've talked about this. I think we talked about it early on this season, you know, it's not as intimate of a fan experience as some of the other sec uh, stadiums where, it's not, you know, it's, it's a little bit more, um, sterile and you don't have the fan, the fan experience. You don't have the, as much of a fan interaction, I guess. Uh, mm. 
like they don't have a lawn, you know, where you can sit. A lot of the stadiums like to do that these days. We don't have one of those. Um, maybe we add something like that. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know if necess- I don't know if like Jay Johnson really needs something in this, you know, comparing it to like what Kim Mulkey is saying, where she's like, I just won a national championship and, our, and the PNAC's falling apart. I need I need significant yeah. improvements to bring more people. You know, yeah. I want to win more. I did it without it and give, give me more and I'll keep doing it. Right. If I, if I could have one addition to the box or one change, I think it would be better sun protection. Yes. More shade. Oh, you're so right. Especially uh, because, in the right field section. Right. Because a large chunk of the sidelines as well as all of the outfield is direct exposure to the sun for most of the game, almost every game. And one, obviously in Baton Rouge, it's always hot and then you got the sun beaming on you. And two, you can't even really see the action if you're sitting in the outfield and you're trying to block your eyes from the sun the whole time. You can't see the ball from that far away with the sun in your eyes. Uh, so I think I don't really know how you do that. I guess just put awnings or some sort of cover over the stands you've already got. It can't be that hard. Um, but that, that would be the first step I would take. And we actually saw that uh, impacting the attendance a little bit this year, I think, where you would look into the outfield bleachers and there was only like five or six people in the whole section. Uh, people don't want to come out there and sit in 100 degree heat and melt uh, and spend their whole afternoon there. So, um, yeah, Scott, where you can just uh, cover that up and then uh, hopefully more people will show up. Yeah. And you don't want to like spend money, sit out there, be hot, miserable, but then also just can't see what you paid and want to see. You're like, you have to cover uh-huh. your eyes the whole time. <laughs> like maybe they could just, uh, no, I mean the, you want to see the intimidator. It's good to see that during the game and on TV. I was going to say you could maybe put it over the, the, the left field line up high so that the people, maybe when the sun's setting, it'll kind of block the sun for them. But no, I'm joking. But I mean, looking around at the stadium, it's like the only thing I would say is, yeah, maybe just something a little bit more interactive because the, like the outfield bleachers are that, right? It's they're just, they're metal bleachers. There's, there could be an area because there is room over there. I know we have a Tony Sassery sign that Dylan Cruz hit with a home run one time. But other than that, it's just, it's empty. It's not being used and it could be. But again, that's, that's a, that's probably a big overhaul that they haven't even thought about yet because yes, the PMAC is used more by more teams, more people. So that probably does have the priority and I totally get it. But I mean, just looking around, I don't know, you could add something in the left field bleachers, maybe extend them a little bit, then you'd have to move the sign, but whatever you do, keep that view at tiger stadium too. Yes. (laughs) Right. Uh, I would say keep that. Uh, keep the scoreboards up, the intimidator, even if it moves more center or to the right, whatever. But uh, I don't know. I think the field itself is fine. There's plenty of foul ball territory. The, the stands themselves are fine. It's a lot of it's covered. It's shaded. But yeah, the outfield's got to be treacherous in that heat. My goodness. <laughs> anyway, more to come, more to see from that. But um, moving on. Uh, speaking of other sports uh, and Tiger Stadium, I uh, did want to briefly give a mention because LSU did have some additions on the football team. Uh, I think they like none of we don't we didn't have any transfers or I'm going to toss it to you, Daniel. But I was going to say, I think these were all just commits like we didn't really have any transfers uh, as of yet, did we? Well, in, in June, yeah, like you mentioned, there was kind of a lot of action that we put on the back burner due to the baseball playing so well. 
So I guess I'll, yeah, I'll just go down the, the list here and talk very briefly about each of the players that uh, committed to LSU over the course of June. And uh, I don't know if these are in chronological order, but this is the order I have them. So that would be uh, Joel, Joel Rogers, safety 2024 class, number eight player in Louisiana. And I think he's like a third or fourth safety that we've got in this class, which is kind of a lot for one group, but um, I guess that's strong. Uh, and then Kylan Billiot uh, out of Homa, Louisiana, wide receiver 2024. And so, yeah, just more speed or actually he's more kind of a jump ball specialist, six foot three, one ninety. He's been coming up the, the ranks a lot. Um, one note is a lot of these guys actually went to LSU had their kind of elite camp in the middle of June and gave out a lot of offers uh, then. And yeah. then a bunch of them like pulled the trigger right after we gave them their offers, especially the Louisiana guys themselves. Uh, so I guess they liked what they saw. Um, and Brian Kelly and his staff liked what they saw from the recruits to, to give them those offers, but that's good that they're, they're locking in with LSU as they could. Uh, next Andre Evans, a cornerback 2024. He, uh, is actually from Tennessee number four player in Tennessee and had a lot of attention from the Vols and Bama and others. So he's a, a actually a pretty highly ranked four-star corner. One of the bigger gets in this class right now. Let's see. After that, we got uh, Michael Turner, uh, not the former NFL running back, but a wide receiver out of new Orleans. Yet another one of the, uh, of the camp guys We're in a sub four, three forty. Cortez Hankton liked him a lot. He's more of the speedster type. And so we, we got him. And then we have uh, Ethan Calloway, who was the one of the top prospects for North Carolina, huge guy, offensive lineman, six foot seven, three hundred, and he's kind of moving up the rankings a little bit as well. And we we had a lot of success with true freshman lineman last year with Will Campbell and um, I'm blanking Emory Jones. Emory Jones yeah. So yeah, hopefully Brad Davis can, can keep that going with Mr. Calloway. And last one, uh, Connor Gilbraith. He's actually a JUCO transfer out of Butte College in California. And he's a tight end, but he's 6'6", 270, which is about as big as a tight end as you get. And mm -hmm. they're thinking he could flex into a lineman as well, which you don't see that too often. Um, but he's more like the power blocking tight end who could maybe uh, fill out his frame even a little bit more and get into the the lineman spot. But he, he had a lot of uh, progress at the JUCO level. And I'm not really sure where... Um, Brian Kelly got the scouting report on this guy from, but I guess welcome. So that is all, which brings our 2024 class up to uh, 18 commits total. Uh, total, the class is ranked number 10 in the country, which is okay. Um, we still got a couple like top guys we really want. We have eight out of the top 10 and players in Louisiana already committed and the rest are still undecided. So that includes the number one prospect, Dominic McKinley out of Lafayette, who's a huge D lineman. And yeah. so that's probably going to be one of Brian Kelly's top targets for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, so really it's rounding out 18 out of 25 and the, a lot of these guys we haven't really talked about that much, but yeah, Kelly's hitting the trail hard and hopefully that continues uh, throughout the rest of the summer. That's kind and of the, I, the end of the rant. I think what's I think what's interesting about this is, like you said, Daniel, we got eight out of the ten, eight, eight out of the top ten players from Louisiana are committed to our, us, with the other two um, having LSU as like a as a high choice. And I, I think that shows you know that was a kind of a, a a criticism or a question about Kelly coming in is can he can he recruit Louisiana? Can he ensure that we? I'm so tired of hearing people say build the wall <laughs> around Louisiana. We need to. 
you know, no talent needs to get out. Saban comes here, he takes all of our talent. Um, and he's clearly doing it, especially in this class. I think that having eight out of 10 with, you know, we, we pick up one to two more. If we get 10 out of 10, that's amazing. If we get nine out of 10, um, that's a, that's a big, uh, significant move for Brian Kelly. Yeah. And you know what? Saban doesn't even have a fence around his own state. So he's coming here because of the, just how talent rich it is. I don't know if anyone could ever keep anyone from ever leaving LSU. I mean, some kids growing up loving LSU and dream that they want to play, play there. And those kids, yeah, those, those kids you can keep, but you're not going to keep everybody. So anyone that says that, I, I don't know. I, I think there, it's just unachievable really. Maybe it is one year, but not year in and year out. Some kids just want to leave. They, they don't want to just stay in Louisiana, you know, especially there's, there's uh, what somebody that was in Baton Rouge that, that left. What was it? Um, who was it? Was it Verge's Verge Osbury's son? What was oh, it? yeah. Wasn't somebody he, like he's like yeah, he went to Notre Dame, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's like, Dayton. yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not, you're just you're not going to keep them all. Uh, so it's that's not that big of a deal, I don't think. And sometimes, and you know what? Also, sometimes they come back like Major Burns. We had him, lost him, he goes to Georgia, and then comes back. So yeah. Logan Diggs, Logan Diggs is another one. You're right. Yeah. This is, you know, something where um, in the age of the transfer portal, the recruiting never really stops. Once you <laughs> once they sign on the dotted line, you got to keep them there. You got to recruit them to, to stay. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you start recruiting people who you lost to come over. Yeah. Um, of course, there is the, you know, the, the you know, these, these instances here and there where, like, you heard that, you know, Dak Prescott, he went to Mississippi State. Like, LSU didn't even really look at him. Yeah, you know, it's not hard. Miles wanted him to said you you won't you'll never play quarterback. You need to play tight end right. for us. Right. And he said, No thanks. And he made he, he made a career for himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I think uh, you know, having Brian Kelly as your coach, maybe something like that wouldn't happen. I don't know. Maybe Kelly would have the same answer for him, but again, that's you know, that's what a difference two years will make. You know, he grows a little bit more, fills out a little bit more. Um Maybe that's the difference. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, um, was that was that about it? Do we have anything else we wanted to touch on? I think, I think that might that be it. We have football it football camp starting. I don't know when, but at some point this summer. Um, uh, three weeks from now, I believe. Yeah, so we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, maybe a little bit of a slow news session throughout the summer, but that'll give our listeners a rest and. The microphones arrest as well, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll, we'll get you all the news as it comes. Yes, in timely fashion, as we always do here on Talking Tigs. Um, one last thing I just did want to mention since it happened open July 4th. Uh, hopefully everyone did have a great July 4th. Um, it was the annual hot dog eating contest over at Coney Island, which I, I don't know. I, wasn't, I don't really pay attention. I know about it. I hear about it. I heard this one guy set records year after year, Joey Chestnut. Uh, but I was hanging with a buddy, and he said, yeah, we're watching that tomorrow. It's at noon, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, whatever. I don't know. I was just kind of hanging around, waiting for something else to happen. I'm like, oh, that's right. It's on. Click, and it wasn't. There was like a rain delay. Go figure. You have a rain delay just to eat hot dogs that they're going to dunk in water. But that wasn't the issue. I think there was lightning in the area. Supposedly somebody got struck. So Oh gosh. Yeah, I know. Supposedly. That's that's what I heard. 
Um, but they, I thought they were going to cancel it. They just kind of postponed it for a couple hours. It did resume. Uh, and Joey Chestnut did go on uh, to win, what, his 16th? And um, he had 62 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Wow. Uh, it's a little bit below his record. I think he did 76 uh, a few years ago. But, yeah, that's just nuts. And then they were just kind of breaking down the like the, the, the science of it. It's like 62 hot dogs. It's 18,000 calories. Yeah. In 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just, I can't imagine how they feel. I could see how you might prep for that, right? Maybe you just don't eat breakfast or I, I know I wouldn't eat breakfast. Then yeah. I could just scarf down hot dogs. But <laughs> how would you feel after eating all that? Uh, need a nice dessert uh, of some Tums. No. I don't even want to think yeah. about it. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Sorry. Sorry for the mental <laughs> image folks, but I just, some, it, st- it stands out to me. And it's just like, why do people do this to themselves? I guess for the glory. Mm-hmm. We yeah. all have the glory that we're chasing. Some chase national titles. Um, some some need just, hot dogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go figure. Chestnut's probably eating more hot dogs in 10 minutes than most people will in their lives, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, that's right. true. I heard somewhere that like a hot dog could take like a day off your life just mm. because of, you know, how they're made and what's, you know, I'm not going to get into that obviously, but uh, it's, you know, they're, let's just say they're not exactly healthy for you, True. but yeah, if you eat that many and you do it year in and year out, I mean, he's got to practice, right? Like he's, he had to, de- he had to practice to develop his technique where he's dunking yeah. the, the bun and eating the dogs two at a time. It just looks weird anyway. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that it was, it was on ESPN mm-hmm. and it was a rain delay. I think my hot dog high score, I think I ate five in one evening. It was actually at an LSU event, LSU women's soccer. The only time I ever went to an LSU women's soccer game because they had 50 cent hot dog night. I was going <laughs> to say, they were probably giving them away, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, so, so that was fun. I did feel sick afterwards. So I can only imagine what Joey f- was dealing with. Um, uh, but yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Poor guy. Um, hopefully his he's got a really good healthcare plan and good doctors a good team. Uh, but anyway, I think that'll do it for us here on talking Tigs. So uh, until next time, uh, hope everyone has a good week. Well, like we said, we, uh, when we pick up again, if that is next week or the week after, we'll have uh, any news that comes out. Like I said, it's probably going to be a slow drip from here on out until the, the camp starts, but uh, whatever it is that, that comes down the pike, we'll definitely have that for you here on talking Tigs. So until next time, Stay safe, stay tuned, and we will talk to you next time here on Talking Tigs.